You know, my dad was an athlete when he was younger, and he was such a good athlete that after he got too old to be on the field, he found a way to stay on the field. He became an umpire. So he would go to town softball games and county softball games, and he would be the umpire. And I would go, and as I got older, he used to joke that I could be his bodyguard for the, you know, people like you who are part of company teams who got upset with the call, right? And so he said I could be, you know, his bodyguard. But when I was a uh, kind of a 14, 15-year-old teenager, yeah, I guess even 13 year old, years old, I used to be on my church team. Now, you know, do, does Community Heights have a church softball team? Yes? Okay, so you know, these church teams, they're like some of the worst, right? When it comes to complaining and getting upset and, and you know, cursing out the, and all this kind of stuff. And so my dad knew this, right? So he was thrilled when our church asked my dad if he would come and umpire the softball games. Now, my dad is not a church-going person. He was not, but he was a great umpire, and he wanted to help out. So dad would come, and he would umpire. And uh, dad told me one time, he said, he said Jeffrey, it's, it's an honor for me to be out on the field with those Christian people. And he said that when he was a little bit moderately, maybe more than moderately inebriated. Because that was the time that my dad would open up and share his feelings and talk about what was really inside. And the reason he said it was an honor for him was because as an alcoholic, he wasn't really welcome into the church. I mean, in that day, maybe maybe sometimes today, uh, you could have the sin of greed, the sin of gluttony, the sin of gossip. That's all accepted in the church, right? I mean, we just kind of, that happens. But if you have the sin of alcoholism, the sin of drinking too much, um, it's hard to find a place in that day. It was hard for him to find a place in the church. So he was honored that he could be on the field and and call the balls and strikes and call the safe and the out. Uh, And he would do it flamboyantly, but not too flamboyantly, just enough to really make it a show. The church was on the field... But unfortunately, nobody on the field that was part of the church bothered to love my dad. So they could have, well, let's see, they could have built a loving relationship with him. Hey, ump, good game. Hey, you want to come to this cookout? They could have had loving service, like, hey, ump, you know, we've got this relationship going on. Hey, I do this. Hey, can I help you with that? I hear you're doing this at your house. Hey, can I help you with that? They could have maybe told them about how much they love the Lord, this area of worship. Um, but you know what? The church that I grew up in, not a one of those guys loved my dad. And you know what? Let's not that be this church. Amen. All right? Let's not us be the kind of a church where there's somebody who needs the love of Jesus because they need Jesus and we're the body of Jesus and they don't get it from us. So, I'm not going to ask again, but who's on the softball team, right? Who do you have umpire your games? Maybe that's the guy who needs the love of Jesus. So when I come to you talking about love, 
There's a, that's just one of the many reasons why I want to say to you that the greatest tool in your toolbox of your Christian experience, of your walk of faith, the, the greatest weapon in your battle against the powers of darkness is love. Because love is the greatest thing that Jesus brought to this earth. So when we talk about the life of the church, I want to say that love is central. It's the central element to the life of the church. So now last week, we talked about what Christians do and what the Christian life is a a part of and how we come up with these strategies and systems. And I had this wheel, and I had all these little things on the wheel, and it's going to come up right here. Uh, And then I said, what if God had a better plan? So instead of doing all these busy things, all these things that Christians do, I'm not saying don't do these things. I'm saying, how how do we view these things? Instead of thinking about all that, what if God had, a, had an easier plan? And I've added two words to the next slide, and it's what if God had a better plan for you, for you as a believer, that was organic, not manufactured, that was simple, a plan that was simple and not complex. We like to make things complex, that depended on the Holy Spirit and not trying harder. What if God had a better plan for you in your walk of faith as a disciple of Jesus Christ that you could actually manage and fit into the normal rhythms of your life? What if God's plan asked you to do only what you were capable of and was unhindered by your weaknesses? What if God had a plan for you that left all the heavy lifting in your life to God, that was powered by something that you'll never run out of and that was based on the greatest commandment of all. And on this next slide, just as a review, you see the purpose of the church at the bottom and you see how we practice our purpose. We practice love through relationships, service, and worship. And then there's a result. The result is growth in our lives as believers and outreach of the body of Christ into the world and then the outcome is a maturing believer. Now, the next slide, I think it's the next one, it's got a, uh, yeah, just go on to the next one. It's got a division here between the top two layers and the bottom two layers. There's a division. The top is what God does, and the bottom is what we do. See, we don't have to grow ourselves. We don't have to grow other people. We don't have to build the church. God does that stuff. But we practice our purpose. We practice love. Every day we get up, we say, who are we going to love today? What does love require of me today? What what does love require of me when it comes to my daily agenda? What does love require for me this week in my something that isn't a daily or even weekly? Maybe other things that are coming onto my calendar. What does love require of me This is the part where what would Jesus do, right? How would Jesus love? And I think it's so important for us to understand there's a a dark line between these boxes, the two layers in the top and the two layers in the bottom. We get the bottom. We get the bottom. And God does the growing, and God does the building of the church, and God does the continual maturing of the believer. So today we focus on the foundation. Today we focus on love. Love is so key that Jesus wrapped up all the commandments in the scriptures of his day into one command. 
into love. And so I want to talk about love just for a few moments. And you could follow me on the screen. I'm not going to deviate much from it. I think that what I'm going to share with you, I'm going to ask, my ask for you this morning, my ask for you, Community Heights Church, is that you would love. And that's a bigger ask than if I were to say, hey, we're going to start, we're going to start a $10 million building project. How happy and excited you would be. This is a bigger ask than that. The the ask for you to love, it's a bigger ask because it's going to require more from you than collectively what we could do to raise $10 million. Love is going to require you and your heart and your relationship, your walk with God and with others. So love is not a feeling or an emotion Emotions and feelings result from love, but love is a commitment and a decision. We choose to love or not to love. That's the choice we make. It's not something we fall into and out of. It's the choice we make. Love is the driving force in God's redemptive plan. We see it in God's commitment, his love to Abraham in Genesis 12 when he decides to begin this covenant, this relationship with Abraham, and it goes all the way to John 3.16 where it says he loves the whole world. Love is the primary descriptor of God's involvement with humanity. It defines and it shapes his other attributes. Love, love shapes and it puts the parameters uh, and the, the engine behind his grace, his mercy, his justice, and his judgment, his forgiveness. Imagine a, a, an all-powerful God who didn't love. That wouldn't be fun to imagine. Love is not an attribute, actually, of God. It's listed in the attributes. And if you look in the, in the most renowned theological books, it'll list love as an attribute, But I would offer to you that love is the essence of God. God is love. God is light. God is spirit. And then all the other things describe God. But I would say God is love. It's his essence. And here's a big 50-cent word, ontologically. You'll have to look that one up. I did. Make sure I was using it right. The essence of God is love, light, and spirit in his being God is love, and he made us in his image. Love has zero to do with Cupid, hearts, red roses, candy, niceness, Valentine's Day, or Hallmark cards, or special Hallmark holidays. Love is not feminine, nor is love masculine. Love is powerfully divine, finding its origin in God, and it's uniquely human because it drives our deepest needs and our deepest desires and passions. You know, even misunderstood and misdefined, love is still the number one topic in popular music, and it's the most common theme in books and movies. Now, based on the scripture we looked at last week in the writings of Matthew, Paul, John, Peter, our purpose as disciples is to love and to be loved by God. Love is not dependent on what others do for me. Love determines what I do for others. Now, when somebody does you dirty, you get mad, right? And when you get mad, you decide you're not going to do certain things for that person. And you're going to maybe stop loving them or spending time. See, 
Love is not dependent on what others do to me. In fact, love determines what I am going to do for others because I choose love. Love is not dependent on my circumstances. Rather, love informs my response to my circumstances. Love is not heightened by an accumulation of possessions, but proven through the sharing and distribution of my possessions. That's how love is proven. Love is always proven and worked out through actions. Love is not an option in my collection of desired daily attributes. Love is the mandate of new birth. It's the must-do of regeneration. And, and it is, it's really it's the hallmark of the new creation. Love is the currency of the kingdom that we never run out of, that never devalues, and we can never exchange but we can only give it away. And the more we give, the more we get. Loving is a big ask. It's the active ingredient that makes everything in life work. Love is the foundation for the life of the church. And for the believer in Jesus, love doesn't make life better. Love makes life. To love is to live. Love desires and commits to the best for the one who is loved. That's why love involves sacrifice, service, and surrender. When I sacrifice, I'm giving over what I have. When I serve, I'm giving to. I'm taking what I have and I'm giving it to you. And then when I surrender, I'm giving up. And usually that involves my way, my agenda, what I want. We give it up. We surrender it to the one that we love. When I am not loving, I keep everything, I serve myself, and I give up nothing. Mitch, this is where I need you. Race over here to the other side. Run, run, Mitch. No, not up there, down here, down here, down here. Down here, down here. Okay, so on the other side, the anti-boxes. The anti-boxes. My question for you is, what is, now don't turn them yet, what is the opposite of love? What is the opposite of love? Hate. So Mitch, turn around the boxes. The opposite of love is not hate. Go ahead. The opposite of love is serve. No, not serve. No. What is it? Self. The opposite of love is self. Mitch, when you turn those, you'll be done with your responsibilities and you can go back to your seat. He's so excited. You know, people that saw him, there we go. People that saw him this week, they said, oh, are you the one that did the box? I've cast him. He's always going to be, oh, yeah, the son who did the boxes. So, so he's being selfless. Thanks, Mitch. The opposite of love is self. It's not hate. It's self because the absence of love produces this fixation on yourself, What's the best for me? How can I be happy? What will produce pleasure in me? Our lives are going to be motivated by either self or love. It's our choice. You know, I never, ever, ever read my message. But the reason I'm putting it up here is because I want you to hear it and I want you to see it because I want you to remember some of this stuff. And some of you will remember certain slides and not others. And that's good. Motivated by self, our lives are empty and meaningless, and that's the opposite of love. 
motivated by love, our lives have meaning and significance because God gives us love. It's the the greatest thing he's got and he gives it to us and we get to give it to others and that gives us meaning and that gives us significance and it gives us influence. Jesus anchors the commandments in love. Paul describes a life motivated by love as the most excellent way. In fact, Paul gives quite an argument for love in his first letter to the Corinthians. And you've been in this room for a long time. You've been seated for a long time. Hang with me just through these next two passages. And I'm going to go quickly. But pay attention to these passages and how what we've just said connects. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if you have gifts for service, if you're a great person and love hanging around people, if you can play worship music and be the greatest worshiper in the front row, but you don't have love, you, uh, oh, the next slide. I just paraphrase a little bit there. I am nothing. We're nothing without love. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I I gain nothing. Jesus models for us the service, the sacrifice, and surrender that come together to embody both the heart and actions of love in Philippians chapter 2. And this is the passage I really want to look at. You guys are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. Just think, think it through this week. If you don't have love, nothing else matters. But in Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, if you've experienced this life of faith with other believers at all, He says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. When you're one in spirit and of one mind with a group of others, you're focused on others. When you're focused on yourself, you'll never have that. And so he says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others see that's a that's a great set of verses right there verses three and four it describes what it's about to present in jesus by the way but it describes how love works and what it looks like see love isn't love is not a heart on a greeting card love is hard it's tedious it's painful sometimes. There's a lot of angst with it. Love is difficult. So he says, in your relationships with one another. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, that's easy. We can be like Jesus. Well, let's keep going. Who being in very nature God, he was at the top of the heap. He was the top of the stack. He was in very nature, his essence. He was divine. He was God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In some of your versions, something to be grasped, something to be held on to. 
Rather, he made himself nothing. Being in very nature God, he made himself nothing. What was that last slide? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, although he was God, he made himself nothing. So in our relationships with each other, then you're everything and I'm nothing. You make the other person everything and you nothing. Now, take care of yourself, right, the oxygen mask, so that you can help others, but in your estimation, you consider others better than yourself. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a, in the Greek, doulos, the word for slave or servant, being made in human likeness, in human likeness, likeness. He was still divine, but he appeared as we do. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Would you go to the cross for the people in your row? If you could save them for all eternity, would you go to the cross for them? That's what Jesus asked us to do. He asks us to love one another, to love others, others like Jesus loves us. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He who humbles himself will be exalted, right? One of my kids said as a, at a young age, remi- remember that verse saying, he who humbles himself will be exhausted. Well, that's true too. If you humble yourself, you will be exhausted, and then God will exalt you. See, when we seek to exalt ourselves, we go down. But when we seek to humble ourselves, God will bring us up, as he did Jesus. See, because the beginning part, verses, what, 6 through 8, is all about Jesus going to the bottom, becoming nothing, becoming like people. But then as it ends up, God exalts him, and he places him in a new place. Love is the essence of the life of the church. Therefore, and therefore your life, because who is the church? We're the church. We're in the building. It's a great building. It's a great facility. It's just a building. It's just a facility. If the hurricane were coming to this place, the church would leave. And the building would, something would happen to the building. But nothing would happen to the church, because the church is us. So if, if love is the essence of the life of the church, Therefore, it's the essence of your life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you love? It fixes all the other problems in the church. Think about a problem you're experiencing. Think about a conflict you're experiencing. Love will fix it. Love will fix it. Love versus self. This is the last slide. Love versus self. Love is so much better. Love is so much better. Next week, we're going to talk about what happens, what happens if you base your life on self. Believers do this. Non-believers do this. 
Churches do this. And then what do these things turn into? Each one of these nice boxes has an anti-box over here. The dark side, the pathology, when you, when you put your life on self instead of on love. As we understand more and more how to be a church that loves. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you would come up uh, right now. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure who is on the prayer team, but some of you guys are. If you would just come to the front. Um, as we sing in just a moment the last song, if you need prayer for any of the stuff we've talked about, if you just want to come and, and, and have prayer to be... Now, not everybody who's coming needs prayer to be more loving because we know that's not true because if that were true, then we all would be in the front because we all need prayer to be more loving. But if you're having a difficult time this week and you would just like somebody to pray with, these folks are going to be at the front. Um, I'm going to pray, and I want to especially remember the folks who are way south of us who are experiencing this hurricane. Because while we're in comfort, they're not. So let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that we're alive today, we're living and breathing, and that you will give us love to give out to each other and to all of our community. And that the more we give out, it's not like our bank account, we actually could give all that away and have nothing left. Um, But the more we give out of love, the more you'll give us. And in some ways that's true of money, but in every single way, we can never, ever, ever give away so much love that we're out of it because you will continually multiply it in our lives. So I pray that as believers this week, right here in Newton, Iowa, and in the surrounding communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, organizations we're involved in, whether we're out in, uh, in do- doing activities, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would help us to love the people around us and to love the person right next to us, to love the people we live with and love the people we live around. And God, may your love be the power, the power of our church. It was Jesus' power that took him to the cross, and I pray that it would be the power that would take us into places that we would never normally go and accomplish things that you want your body to accomplish for the kingdom of God that we never could normally do, but that with your love, God, we could do it. God, we think of those folks in Florida and in the neighboring states that are going to really go through some tough days and weeks and months. And God, maybe some of us here will be a part of bringing relief and comfort and encouragement and restoration to them. That would be an awesome thing. But for right now, they're getting battered right now. And right now we pray that you would keep people safe, that you would turn hearts toward you, that you would unleash the body of Christ to serve and to meet needs, and that you would help, God, those in greatest despair right now. And I pray that one day some of us right here and all of us together in some ways could be a help to those people. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We give you praise. We give you worship. In Jesus' name, amen. During this last song, if you need, uh, need prayer, just come on up, and any of these folks would love to pray with you.